Maybe it was an iguana. It was no iguana. Maybe a, uh, you know how they say there are uh, alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers. All we're trying to say is maybe you just probably imagined it. I couldn't have imagined it. Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis breath. Elliot, <laughs> sit down. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Does It Hold Up podcast, the podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies of all time to see if they still hold up to today's standards. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And this week we're covering 1982's E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Another Spielberg film. This will be our third one in, what, three, four months? Yeah, gotta love him. He's a summer blockbuster kind of dude. Yeah, I guess, because we did Indiana Jones, I think, in July. I think so. Then we did Jurassic Park The Revisit in August, and here we are doing E.T. in October. I feel like that should have been Jurassic Park's sequel's name. What? Jurassic Park The Revisit. The Revisit? Yeah. The Revisiting. (laughs) (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Jurassic Park, T-Rex, Boogaloo. All right. Uh, I don't know. Don't ask. So this is a weird movie. Not, yeah. Not the movie itself. Well, we're going to get into the movie. But for the podcast, this is a weird movie. Because for the first time ever, ever on this podcast, and maybe in life, both of us had never seen this movie prior to watching it for this show. Yeah. Now, I have seen 1,001 clips of this movie. I have had conversations with people about this movie. I have seen the entire movie through all of that, but I've never actually sat down and watched the movie start to finish. I've probably seen the same clip about 1,001 times, but I haven't seen the entire movie just clipped out. I have. So I was a little surprised by what I got. Yeah, there's some parts in here like, what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Nobody ever talks about this part. So it was a very interesting thing. And it's going to be a very interesting conversation. There's a lot to get into with this movie. Yeah. So uh, let's just knock this box office and critic stuff out of the way early because I want to really get into this. Mm -hmm. So the budget for this movie was $10.5 million. Domestically on its initial release... In 1982, it made $359.2 million. That's better than most movies do today. Correct. And it's a $10 million budget only. That's like 40 times your budget back. Yeah. Just domestically. But in 1982, it was number one by far, by far. (laughs) But do you know what number two was? Hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. So Spielberg pulled one and two that year. Dang. Raiders made $190.3 million, so it only lost to E.T. by $170 million. Only. 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 It's crazy. Adjusted for inflation, this is going to blow your mind, $1.4 billion domestically. Wow. 2023 rank for that? First. <laughs> yeah. <Clearly. laughs> Nothing will touch it. Barbie would be in second this year with 633 million which is 767 million dollar difference. <laughs> now, everybody's talking about how Barbie is just a phenomenon. Oh my god, it's made so much money. And then when you compare it to something like this, 
sad Barbie. They, well, never had, they didn't have a sad Barbie in the movie. They should have. I don't think there's ever really been a sad okay. Barbie. Well, they should make one. There's a sad Care Bear, but there there's not a sad. <laughs> this is why Care Bears will always be better than Barbie. <laughs> Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> what were you going to say, though, about uh, Barbie? It's still doing well. Like It's nothing to scoff at, but... Is it $1.4 billion? Then I'm scoffing at it. Is anything else $1.4 billion? It doesn't matter. I'm scoffing at it. I'm scoffing at them all. Scoff, mm-hmm. scoff, 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 scoff. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to actually scoff. <laughs> I don't. I know it's some kind of noise. I just don't know what it is. So, <laughs> scoff, Barbie. All right. <laughs> what did Roger Ebert have to say about E.T.? He predictably gave it four stars. I could not find a, a review of his from around the time frame. He actually has done two reviews since. One in 1992 and then one in 2002. Did he give them both four stars? Yes. Okay. So he didn't even change his mind. Yeah. He just reviewed it again for fun? In 92, his review was written more in the style of like an open letter to like a kid, like writing as if he was talking about a kid watching it for the first time. And then he actually reviewed it back in uh, 2002. Okay. The quote I grabbed from him is, this movie made my heart glad. It is filled with innocence, hope, and good cheer. It is also wickedly funny and as exciting as hell. It's exciting, especially for like a kid. Super exciting. It's kind of exciting for adults too, but definitely more exciting for the kids. Interesting. What's what modern critics are saying about this movie? The Rotten Tomato critics have it at a 99%. Mmm, okay. Audience have it at a 72 though. All right. But the actual numbers is that the critics have it at a 9.3 out of 10, so still pretty dang high, and audience has it at a 7 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Audience always is going to have those those dicks who just want to hate it to hate it. But then again, you also have the critics who are like, this is just art, and I can't see anything wrong with it, even though there might have stuff wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's just... Listen, you can listen to critics. I'm a critic. Have a YouTube channel. Do movie reviews there all the time. You should definitely come check it out. Just look up <laughs> Does It Hold Up or click the link in the description of this episode. But just because I review a movie with my knowledge of working in film, studying film, loving film, it doesn't mean that like you have to agree or you have to follow exactly what I say. I'm just giving you a base point of what worked in it, what didn't work in it. But if you watch a movie and you're like, this is the best movie of all time. And I go, it's okay. It's just an okay movie. We don't have to fight. It's fine. It can just be an okay movie. Or it can be a masterpiece to you. I will never fault someone for having a different opinion on a movie for, than me. Not because I, I, while I can say stuff does or does not hold up, doesn't mean I liked or didn't like it. I mean, we've done it on this show where we say something doesn't hold up. But it doesn't make it a bad movie. It's just there's problems with it. Mm-hmm. And we've said stuff does hold up when there are problems with it. I've, s- I've said something does hold up and I absolutely hated the movie. Correct. Do we remember which one? Yes. Which one? Bridesmaids. That's fair. Yes, you did. I will probably never watch it again, but it's not a movie for me. But it still held up. I mean, I said Despicable Me doesn't hold up because it's not a movie for me. I don't enjoy it. I think there's a lot of problems with it. That's fair. But yeah, so. Best rule of thumb, find a critic that has similar opinions than you and listen to them. Yeah, me. 
Go listen to me <laughs> on YouTube. No. <laughs> Self-promotion. But yeah, you're right. Find somebody that you like the way that they review movies. And if you agree with them, then that's a critic for you. Did this, this movie didn't have a cinema score, right? It did not. Okay. Want to make sure I didn't miss that. Okay. A lot of movie talk time. Yeah. Oscars. 1983 Oscars. This movie was nominated for a ton of things. Nine nine things. Yeah. It was nominated for Best Picture. It lost to Gandhi. Mm. It was nominated for Best Director. It lost to Gandhi. (sighs) But Richard Attenborough directed Gandhi. Oh, well. Give him his give him his flowers. I guess. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. It lost to Gandhi. You it was know what, Gandhi? You're that kind of artsy film that people... First of all, Gandhi is amazing. Great film. I guess. Best Cinematography, lost to Gandhi. And Best Film Editing, lost to Gandhi. Okay, they needed to get off the Gandhi train, just saying. No, Gandhi's pretty damn good. Those were its nominations. It won, so obviously these are nominations as well, but they won. Best Visual Effects, it beat Blade Runner and Poltergeist. It didn't beat Gandhi? Yeah, no, Gandhi doesn't have visual effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it should win against Blade Runner. You've never seen Blade Runner, so it doesn't really matter. But No, I've seen the remake. Well, not the remake, the sequel. I don't even know if you saw that one. I did. All right. Weird. Uh, uh, best Sound Effects Editing. Okay. One. It beat Das Boot and Poltergeist. Never watched either one of those, so... I don't know if it should have beat Poltergeist. Some great sound design in that. Sound editing, I should say. Uh, Music, original score. Here's where it beat Gandhi. An officer and a gentleman, Poltergeist, and Sophie's Choice. That's who it beat out, and I'm going to say right choice. Yeah, probably. Score is iconic. And it also won sound design. Best sound design, beating Das Boot, Gandhi, Tootsie, and Tron. And I, how was Blade Runner not in that one? I, right, Blade Runner's <laughs> not in that one, but it was in Best Visuals. But how did it beat Tron? Don't get me wrong, the sound design in ET is amazing, but did they watch Tron? Probably not. That whole movie is sound design. You're like, this is too sci-fi for me. I can't. There's too many sounds. <laughs> so yeah, nice healthy showing at the Oscars. Nominated- they needed to go one other year other than Gandhi. Just any other year. Pretty much, yeah. And it would have won like all of those. 93 or 83, boom. Probably sweeps the Oscars. 82, he had to fight Gandhi. And Gandhi always wins. Uh, yeah. Because he doesn't fight back. <laughs> but also, uh, Ben Kingsley in Gandhi. Mwah. So good. And if you say so. You should watch it. Really good. Sequels. Do you think E.T. should ever get a sequel? No. Do you think... E.T. should be remade. Maybe. Okay. Well, neither one of those things is most likely to happen. Yeah, probably not. But there was a proposed sequel. Right after the movie came out and became a smash hit, Steven Spielberg and Melissa Matheson, the writer of E.T., sat down and created a treatment for a sequel. Mm -hmm. Listen to this very short summation about what this movie was going to be about. Thomas and his friends were going to be missing E.T. and get excited when they find a spaceship. They board the spaceship only to discover that the aliens on board are actually evil. They abduct the kids and begin torturing them. At one point, 
Elliot would scream so loudly that E.T. would hear him across the cosmos and come to the rescue. Little caveat on top of that, the alien race that abducts and tortures the kids is currently at war with the E.T. race. How convolutedly stupid does that sound? We're getting into some uh, interesting politics there. Yeah, super weird. I don't know how you go from what we got to that would have been the sequel. (laughs) Like, what the... So thank God it didn't happen. Yeah. Also, E.T.'s name, you would have found this out in the sequel. His real name is Zrek. Z-R-E-K. Zrek. That's like, an okay name. I like E.T. better. Yeah. I know it's just, it stands for extraterrestrial, but I like E.T. better. Yeah. Fits him. I seems don't know like his, Zrek. Seems like his kid name. And now Zrek is his adult name. Adult name. name. Yeah, I'm not sure when the sequel would have taken place. If it was like 10 years later, five years later, the next summer, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But Spielberg, when talking about the sequel that never was, said, quote, it would do nothing but rob the original of its virginity. E.T. is not about going back to the planet. And that's why it never happened. Spielberg thought about it and said, nah. We good. It would ruin the original if we made it again. Hey, at least he had the foresight to uh, know that. Luckily, he has enough power in Hollywood to stop it from happening. The strong arm it. Yeah. I feel like he'd be that old nun with the ruler. Just slap the wrist. (laughs) No. Bad studio. I would love it. So the star of E.T., Henry Thomas, said this back in 2022 uh, when it came to the sequel. Quote, I guarantee you there are a few men in a very big room now salivating and using their abacus and slide rules to come up with some really, really big numbers. He is not outside of they're probably going to remake it or do a sequel soon. He thinks there will always be talk. And as soon as a studio figures out how to do it, they're going to do it. Yeah. Like I said, I think it could use a remake, but also not no at the same time. Because I don't think it'll ever capture that magic again. It's just a lot of it has issues because it was done in the 80s. Yeah, it's the same idea with like Star Wars, where Yoda wasn't the same. In the newer ones, mm-hmm. because they went to CGI, they went, you lost that magic that was. Yeah. And I feel like it, the same thing would happen with E.T. The magic is just gone once you try to recreate it. Then you'll probably not have the same kind of uh, connection between Elliot and E.T. Like, there's just things that would be missing that they struck gold with this Correct. movie. And it wouldn't work because the parents in 2023 would actually be paying attention to their kids. <laughs> There was a sequel, though, back in 2019. It aired during the 93rd Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It was made by Xfinity for reasons. (laughs) It was four minutes long. It was a commercial. It brought back E.T. Henry Thomas returned to play Elliot. So Elliot, same guy, but he's married now with two kids. And E.T. returns to Earth to celebrate the holidays with him. It's really good. I watched it. But why? I watched it before this podcast just because I was like, holy shit, let's watch it. So I watched it. It's really good. It captures the heart and spirit of E.T. like really well. Hmm. And now I'm kind of like, do we need a sequel? Can we get a sequel? If you're going to do that again, as long as Spielberg's on board, 
I don't know. You have to have the right story, though, because the one that you told me earlier would not work. Be a little too dark for the kiddos. You wouldn't want it. It would have been awful. Would have been awful. But yeah, so there you go. No sequel, but also commercial sequel. Who wants a four minute commercial sequel? Me. Watch it. When we're done with this podcast, go watch it. It's really good. All right. All right. Some other things. Do you know there was a controversy about this movie? Hmm. There have been two separate instances where E.T., where people have alleged plagiarism towards E.T. Oh. So the first was from Indian director Satyajit Ray, who was directing movies in India and everything, who wrote a screenplay that circulated Hollywood in 1967 called The Alien. Okay. So one of his friends, a, a writer an author in England saw E.T. when it came out, called Mr. Ray and was like, dude, I'm pretty sure you want to look at this. The alien that you describe in your script is the exact alien on screen. Some of the story beats and everything are the same. You might want to look at this. The friend also noted, and Spielberg's 1977 movie, Close Encounters of the Third Time, Third Time, Third Kind, also steal a lot of beats that are very similar to your script, The Alien. Pretty sure both his movies just ripped your your script, man. You might want to look at this. But Ray still didn't. Even though he felt maybe he had a case, never brought a case. Hmm. Because he respected Spielberg and said he makes good movies and he doesn't want to look vindictive towards the man. Okay. So he never brought a case. And now I'm like, I want to get a hold of this screenplay. See how much alike it is? Yeah. Interesting. Just why wouldn't you bring a case? Maybe he knew. Did he want to work in Hollywood? Didn't want to burn bridges? That or maybe he had actually watched and it was like, dang, this is really good. This is probably better than what I wrote. (laughs) Right. It's okay. I would be surprised though if like Spielberg didn't, because Spielberg, one of the things that really would have helped his case was Spielberg said, when your script was going around in 1967, I was a kid in high school. How would I have ever had it Mm -hmm. to be able to plagiarize it? And uh, history had just proved Spielberg to be a liar because he graduated high school in 1965 and directed his first movie in 1969. So the script was floating around right in between those years where Spielberg would be able to get his hands on it. It could also be a thing where you he read it, com- forgot that he read it, and then thought he had this idea. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, just weird. But there was a second case of plagiarism towards mm. E.T. and Spielberg. And it was from playwright Lisa Litchfield, and she sued. She actually went to court and sued Steven Spielberg in 1984 for $750,000,000. So more than the movie even made. Correct. She claimed that her one-act musical play, Loki from Maldemar, was the basis for E.T. That was her claim. Her one-act musical play was the basis for the entire movie. No. (laughs) I assume she lost. She lost pretty easily. And here is a quote from the judge ruling over it. Quote, No reasonable jury could conclude that Low-Key and E.T. were substantially similar in their ideas and expression. Any similarities in plot exist only at the general level for which Ms. Litchfield cannot claim copyright protection. So they had like one or two similar beats. And she was like, I own that. So basically she's like, there was an alien in that. 
and it wasn't evil, so it's mine. Yes, basically. She tried to sue on the basis of like, I wrote an alien story and so did you. And you made money and now I want that money. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I never knew that. I didn't either. So that was interesting. Something I did know about E.T. was that it had a video game tie-in. Yes, I did know this. This is very, very well known. The failed E.T. video game. I was looking into it. And this could be a whole podcast by itself. And I'm sure there's plenty out there. But there was a video game tie-in for Atari 2600. And it was a complete and utter failure. Because the studio wanted to rush the game. So this movie came out in June. After the movie became a massive hit, they started shopping around trying to figure out how to make this video game. They hired a programmer, one programmer, to program the video game and gave him five weeks to do so. So that they could get it out in time for the holiday season of 1982. Only six months after the movie came out, this video game hit shelves for Christmas. And there's no patching it back then. No, there's no patching. There's no anything. So this dude just programmed what he could as fast as he could. And that's why it's complete failure. I always wondered about that. Like, how bad was it really? Bad. It Unplayable? Un- <sighs> unplayable, but interesting to go back. I've played it. It's interesting to go back and play it because of how bad it is and realizing just it's worse than you could imagine. Wow. Which is just insane. And then in 2014, they had a whole documentary about video games where they went and dug through the Alamogrado landfill in New Mexico, where they found tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of copies of this game Mm -hmm. that never sold. According to the company who made it, they had millions of unsold copies. And I bet they sold a whole bunch too, with people thinking it was going to be good. Absolutely. They sold a whole bunch and then they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. You ready to talk about this movie? Yes. What? There has been a reason I have not watched this movie, and I feel very justified in my thoughts okay. on that. So Hell yeah. Let, all right, let's do this. We can kind of get my biggest part out of the way right now. Yeah. E.T. is creepy AF. Is he? He is so creepy. Uh, the noises he makes is scary. He gives me nightmares just thinking and looking at this character. They won an Oscar for the sound design for E.T., it is so creepy. Did you play that music, that sound effect over any other alien or anything else? And you're like, that's a horror movie. <laughs> okay. I, oh, for the longest time I avoided it. It's, it's on the same level as Gremlins for me. Gremlins is a little bit higher maybe, but it's on that level of this is a thing that is just creepy and people love it for some unknown reason. That's so weird. Cause I think E.T.'s adorable. You yeah, know, he's, he's creepy. I would have a plushy E.T. and cuddle it. No. Yeah. The way he- I am with Gertie here. I don't like his feet. <laughs> it is just so bad. Yeah, but nah, he, the way he raises his neck. So creepy. So interesting. So cool. Creepy. I want to know what his planet looks like and why that is a feature. feature. <laughs> why do they have to raise their necks? Why are they basically a uh, why do they penguin just, yeah. that can raise their necks? And why do they just waddle? I, I'm so interested. I can't believe you didn't like him. They're waddling, and yet they can move super freaking fast. Yeah, no, they are horrific. Okay. And they should cause nightmares in millions of children. You want to know what's horrific in this movie for real, though? Sure. The mother. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The mother, Mary, played by Dee Wallace, who is, oh my God. Does she know she has kids? Does she care that she has kids? She does not. She only cares that her husband is now in Mexico. 
Not even her, with another her person. Ex-husband. I don't even know if it's with another person or whatever. He's just in Mexico. And then she throws a hissy fit because he doesn't even like Mexico. I'm fairly certain it was with so, like the new woman in his life. Is it weird that only Elliot talks to his dad? Because the other two seemed very surprised by it as well. I didn't think that they were surprised. I think they were more surprised that he said anything because his brother definitely chides him like, watch what you say. You're not supposed to say that kind of stuff. Okay. So I think they knew. I just don't think they expected him to say anything. Yeah. The mother's just terrible. This was like a whole thing in the 80s. Every movie just had parents that were... Oblivious? And un- unobservant. They didn't care. Like they just were so focused on whatever they were doing that an alien could be standing right in front of them and they pay no attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the 80s was all about with that. Yeah, we had a lot of issues while watching this movie and every time we brought something up, it was just like, it was the 80s, man. Right, it was a running joke. So we watched this movie with a couple friends of ours and that was just a joke. Every time we brought up a question, the answer was, ah, because of the 80s. It's the 80s. Because I asked this too. I was like, why is there a can, like two cans of Raid bug spray on the table as they're about to eat dinner? And you're just like, the 80s, man. A lot of bugs in the 80s. We didn't kill them all off yet, apparently. But also <laughs> then, you know, they live right next to a, like a cornfield, which is just littered with bugs. So yeah. that makes sense. Why they're on the table around their food, I don't know. That's That was my more concern rather than the fact that there was Raid. It was that it was on the table where they were about to eat. Because it's the 80s. And it makes a really good condiment for pizza. So one thing I noticed watching this movie a lot is the really deep conversations that are can be brought about because of this movie. So we talk about the mom and her kind of being in her own world. That's a whole conversation in and of itself about like divorce and how that's such a personal level. But you also have kids that you should be looking out for, but you're not necessarily doing that. So your kids feel like they need to be looking out for you. There's a lot of deep, deep things in this kid's movie. Right, because like the 15-year-old, the older brother, Michael, almost looks out for his mom more than the mom looks out for him. Definitely. He's the one sitting at the table being like, don't bring that up. Why would you do that? You know how sensitive she is. He's clearly in tune with what should and should not happen when the mother's a complete mess. Yeah. It's a very noteworthy movie to, like you said, start some conversations that maybe you don't want to have, but should. I, it's definitely not something that I thought I was going to be watching. You know, I this movie has been lauded as a kid's movie, and yet it has so many deep aspects to it that I was just like, if I'm watching this with my child, I would not be prepared to have a lot of the conversations that are needed to ha- be had after watching this movie. I mean, that's just a Spielberg movie, though. Because a lot of his movies always have deeper thematic elements that you may not be ready for. One that always stands out, though, that you can see in a lot of his movies, just abandonment. Yeah. You know, and then when you watch like the Fablemans from 2022, which is almost autobiographical for him, you can see why he might have abandonment issues and why those always play a role in the movies that he chose to make. Here's just a big one, because Elliot, played by Henry Thomas, is abandoned by his dad still talks to him and whatever but his dad's not in his life and then et is abandoned by his family and that's why they develop a connection that's just so interesting yeah and it's not just abandoned by his father who's at literally out of the picture but his mom his who, brother well his brother actually pays at least some attention to him but he tries to have that like ribbing relationship he pays attention to him in a negative way yeah 
Like, I only know you exist so I can make fun of you until the alien's real, and then I'll become a big brother. Yeah. So, great themes in this movie, great conversation, but I do have a lot of problems with this movie. Oh, yeah. So many problems. Starting off, why in the f- do the E.T. aliens visit Earth? What the hell are they doing? From what I could gather from context clues, I would assume they're getting vegetation. They don't have their own vegetation? Well, they have to fly thousands of miles, thousands so of light years. I think it's more like a learning expedition because you see on their ship at one point and they have various different vegetation that looks like it comes from different worlds. It wouldn't necessarily be on the same planet. So I wonder if they're just trying to like make a catalog of all the vegetation on the world. That's what I got from it. <laughs> the opening bothers the hell out of me because one, I don't know what they're doing on Earth. And two, these humans just show up to try to t- track them down and capture them. How'd y'all know they were there? Did you, you just check the woods every night hoping aliens are going to be there and you get lucky one night? I mean, isn't that how it always goes? Just weird that they're just there and then they can't catch this alien that's two foot tall and waddles like a penguin. You I can't catch up to him? He is super fast when he wants to be, apparently. Right? I, I just don't get it at all and I don't get why he doesn't get back to the ship. Yeah, I know we're given like a line of dialogue later that this is probably not the first time that this alien species or an alien species has come to this planet. So I wonder if they they have like a warning sign, like they knew how they came the last time. So when that circumstance happened again, they're like, they might be here. But yet for him to move that far away from the ship, to then have to run in the opposite direction to leave or to get away. Yeah, weird, right? Apparently the aliens are bad mothers too. (laughs) (laughs) Not paying attention to their little spawn. I just, so he's so fast. But he couldn't get back to the ship. He's very close to the ship at one point. Mm-hmm. But he can't get on the ship to join them to leave. I don't right. understand. I don't understand why the humans also like are so... So we learn by the end of the movie that Keys, the, like the grown-up guy who's chasing down E.T., that's his name, Keys. Because we always see the close-up of his keys. I was going to say, it's not crotch shot? No, it's not crotch shot or denim D, as we were calling him while we were watching it. It's Keys. But we learn late in the movie that he's been visited by E.T. or knew E.T. existed. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who was tracking him in the woods. Why are you coming so aggressive? Like, clearly you're not trying to harm E.T. You want to, like, talk to him. You wanted to basically be Elliot. You wanted to develop this connection with him, this friendship. Yeah. But then the opening of the movie, y'all come so aggressive. Gotta think that they're the bad guys. But it doesn't make sense. Could it be that this is just how E.T. was viewing them? No, absolutely not. We are not watching the movie through E.T.'s eyes. <laughs> no, I will not. Thus why we only get the Denim D shot for the longest time. I will not entertain that idea. <laughs> no. It's just, it's a poor excuse for tension. Ooh, they're going to capture him and dissect him and blah, 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 blah. So they're the bad guys and then they're not. Mm. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me at all. What I do like, though, is after E.T. gets away and he's hiding and he throws the ball in the shed and then Elliot sees him for the first time after nobody believes him that there's an alien in the backyard. He goes out and he waits for him and they make a connection. It's like an immediate connection. Henry Thomas as Elliot is fantastic in this movie because he's playing against a puppet, a guy in a suit, which helps for a kid. You don't have to imagine an alien. Yeah. It's there. But what really works is you feel that connection immediately. 
from both the alien and the child, which just works. I would say sure. I didn't get it as much, but once again, I was probably manifesting my hatred of <laughs> E.T., so I didn't connect as much as I probably should have. Well, not you. You don't have to connect. You can just see the connection in the two actors, in the two characters. I just think it's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. They didn't have to, like, work at it. You just understood it. It happened, and you're just okay with it. My problem is I have so many nits in this time frame that it gets a little bad. <laughs> like, Well, we'll come back to those. Okay. We'll come back to those. Elliot brings E.T. inside by giving him Reese's Pieces. How lucky is he that this alien can digest Reese's Pieces? Well, he can digest anything because they give him a whole bunch of human food and he just eats it. How lucky. Very. (laughs) Didn't kill him. But it brings... So he gets him in his room and he's like showing him stuff and all that. And I don't know. It's just sweet. This is when you get the true feeling that you are dealing with a kid that you, the the main character is a kid because he talks like a kid. He's bringing everything up. I've been around children that are exactly like this, that are like, I'm going to show you this thing. Now this other thing, have you seen this? What about this? And then the shark would eat these goldfish, but nothing eats the shark. Look, fish. The fish eat the fish food and the shark eats the fish. Nobody eats a shark. Yeah. His level's on like a thousand. It's perfect. And ET's like, okay. It's perfect kid energy. Yeah. The kid is so excited to have this friend that he wants to show him everything and everything all at once. Mm hmm. Instead of being like, let me slowly show you things, he's like, I'm going to bombard you with as much as I can. Kids, he was a really good kid. Yeah. Really realistic. Which makes sense because he was a kid. Yeah. But you would definitely have some kids that act as if they're older because they know they're acting. True. Now, he was just a kid. Yeah. But then he's hiding E.T. He's talking to E.T. He fakes being sick from school so he can stay home with E.T. the next day. Mm -hmm. And his brother finally comes home from school and he's like, yo, Michael. And Michael is played by Robert McNaughton, who I thought was really good in this. Oh, yeah. As a big brother. I believed him. I believed their connection a lot. They were definitely on the same family. They had a relationship. It was around this time that I also wrote realistic siblings because he ribbed on him and, you know, definitely gave him trouble. But then as soon as it became something more serious, he was right there and he was ready to do whatever it took. That's exactly what I was about to bring up. He shows him the alien and the brother who's been making fun of him the whole time that this alien doesn't exist immediately is just like, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't anything. He just goes, I like, basically, sorry, I didn't believe you. What do we need to do? Yeah. He flips the switch to good big brother. Yeah. Like, we need to make sure that mom doesn't see this. So let me figure out what I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen. All of that. But then here, it feels like the movie kind of just slows down a little bit. And they didn't know what they wanted to show of this connection being built with E.T. and the kids. Because you get a lot of just like small moments. And then it all of a sudden jumps to Elliot's at school. Everybody's out of the house and E.T.'s walking around just doing his own thing. And he decides to get drunk. Mm hmm. I love this scene, but it does feel a little weird because they are connected, meaning E.T. can feel Elliot and Elliot can feel E.T. So E.T. getting drunk makes Elliot drunk. Like 
physically too, because they talk about him being like they inebriated. can smell it on him or something. Like they yeah. know he's drunk, but it's a really good scene. Again, Henry Thomas nails being drunk, which is weird for a kid to <laughs> be able to act drunk so well. Yeah, but he's drunk, and then he also gets the power of ET a little bit because in his science class they're gonna dissect frogs. But they're not dead frogs. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you in the 80s, you had to kill the frog in class before you could dissect it. So the teacher's walking around dropping chloroform cotton balls into frog jars. This is so weird. This is creepy, and I'm really glad I'd never watched it as a child, because I think I would have been scarred for life from any science class ever, especially one in which I had to dissect a frog. Well, if you grew up in the 80s, this is just what happened. Yeah, people in the 80s were terrible. <laughs> we have a weird relationship with animals throughout time. In the 80s, like this movie, they have a pet dog, which they treat okay. But you could tell it's just a dog. Mm-hmm. In the 80s, people didn't care about animals as much like they do now. When people have a pet now, it's part of the family. Back then, it was just an animal that they sometimes fed. Yeah. Weird relationship. And I'm so glad Like I grew up in the 80s. Like, I was born in the 80s, grew up in part of the 80s, but I'm glad by the time I got to age of, like, where I'd have to dissect frogs and stuff, there had been a slow change where, in high school, I didn't dissect a frog. In biology class, we were gonna, but the teacher said, you don't have to if you don't want to, you can write a seven-page paper instead about why you don't want to dissect a frog. Hmm. And I was like, cool, done. I think I ended up writing, like, four pages only, because I was like, seven pages is way too long. <laughs> and that's just... So for one class period, they had to code open a frog, but I have to spend two weeks writing a seven-page paper. I, The teacher and I had a giant fight because she ended up giving me an F on the paper because it was it, only four pages. And I was like, well, screw you. And we had a huge fight. It was bad. It was bad. Screw that teacher. <laughs> but also, I don't want to dissect a frog. So Yeah, I had to dissect a frog in middle school, and then it was supposed to be a fetal pig in high school. And very luckily, my one my teacher was a very slow teacher. And so by the time we got to that unit, they're like, uh, crap, we're supposed to have like three weeks for this unit. We only have like two days, so I'm going to dissect it and everyone can just watch. So I got to like stand way in the back. Nope. When the class happened where they dissected frogs, I left. I wasn't even in the room. Absolutely not. The closest I've ever gotten to doing a dissection thing in school was in fifth grade when we had to dissect an owl pellet. Mm. And that was like something an owl would throw up or whatever, poop out or whatever. And it was all grass and stuff, dry grass. And when you cut it open, you could find the bones of small animals that the owl had consumed. Yeah. And the whole point was you had to cut it open, find all the little bones and see if you could figure out what animal the bones were from. That was the closest I've ever gotten to dissecting an actual animal. I skipped the days that we were supposed to do a cow eye. Yep, nope. No, I'm I good. I refuse uh, those pass. days. Hard pass on all of that. But it's interesting because all of a sudden, Elliot's like talking to the frog and like touching the glass on his jar and decides that the frog is in trouble and releases all of the frogs in the classroom. He goes around dumping them all out and gets all the other students to help him and they set these frogs free. I'm assuming it's because he has the empathic ability that E.T. has that connected E.T. to Elliot. Elliot now connected to the frog. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the way we're reading this? I would assume so. I both like and dislike this 
part of the movie because it is necessary for knowing that they have this kind of connection because you can have like a connection with someone and just be like really in tune but they have like this actual metaphysical connection to each other where they're feeling and thinking the same things and we really needed this kind of separation to know that but i hate it because of everything that happens in this couple of scenes okay like what like him being drunk, like the frog dissection. I hate it. I hate it so much. It made me so angry. Eh. The one part I had a problem with in this is E.T.'s watching a TV show, an old movie. And in the movie, a woman and a man are fighting. The woman tries to leave. The man grabs her, pulls her back and just kisses her. Uh, Elliot does the same thing to a girl in his class. Mm -hmm. First of all, I don't need to see 10 year olds kissing ever. Ever. And number two... I thought you could only feel what E.T. felt. Why are you performing the act of the thing E.T. is watching? It just took the concept a little too far. Yeah, made it very confusing as to what's actually happening. Is he doing this thing? No, he's just watching something do it. Yeah, so it is a little weird. It also is the only time until the very end of the movie that they have this kind of connection. And I don't know why. They're obviously connected throughout. and You can see little, like Elliot losing a little energy because E.T. is kind of taking it, you know, weird things. But they don't ever do anything the same again. Like mm -hmm. when E.T.'s eating, Elliot doesn't feel full. So how come when E.T. drank, Elliot got drunk? It really makes it, you question the physics and everything of this movie. Like E.T., during that drunk scene, the mom comes home, the little girl Gertie played by Drew Barrymore, the little sister, tries to show her E.T. and the mom opens the fridge door and just hits E.T. with it and he falls down. So did Elliot fall down? Does Elliot have a headache now from getting hit with the fridge door? I don't remember. He doesn't. It, we, don't, we don't see it. They don't say it. Ah. But that's the thing is like, where does this connection start and stop? Because the movie doesn't do a very good job of explaining it. Mm -hmm. They just thought it would be a cute scene and they put it in. And they needed it for later. For, for the what? very end. Yeah, for yeah. when they get sick. It's just weird. It's just weird. I don't like it. I don't either. Gertie is home alone with E.T. now. She decides to dress him up. And when Elliot finally gets home from school, he runs upstairs. He finds E.T. dressed up. Apparently doesn't really care. It's like, whatever, Gertie, you did it. He's like a little angry at first. But at that point, E.T.'s now learned to talk. A little anyway. He can say a couple words. And he says, to me, it sounds like he's always saying E.T. home Phone. He does the first time. E.T. Home phone. But they always hear it as phone home. Mm -hmm. To me, I always hear it as home phone. Like he wants to use your home phone. The first time he says it, he definitely says it home phone. And then Elliot says back to him, oh, E.T. phone home. And then from then on, he says it that way. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. Could have done a little bit better with the way he spoke, make it maybe a little more clear mm. for certain parts. So they realize that he wants to figure out how to call home so he can get off this planet. And that's what the rest of the movie is going to be about. They build a transmitter. They go out into the woods. He sends a signal. His alien friends never show up. Elliot goes home. E.T. doesn't. He stays in the woods. They're both getting very sick at this point. Not, not very sick, but sick. 
They're not quite very sick yet. E- at least Elliot's not. Mm. But Elliot's like, Michael, E.T.'s out there. You gotta go get him. He's here. You gotta find him, Mike. Where is he? In the forest. The bald spot. You gotta find him. So Big Brother to the rescue, takes a bike, goes and gets him, finds E.T. face down in a river. And he's like pink now. Like he's dying. Brings him back to the house. The mom comes home. They're like, mom, we got to show you something. For the first time this entire movie, she actually gives a shit. <laughs> Goes into the bathroom, sees a grayed out E.T. who's dying, freaks out, grabs her kids. Great. That should be your first instinct. Protect your kids. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Protect your kids. Great moment. But as she's leaving, she opens the door and a dude in a space suit <laughs> walks in. And I'm not even joking. It's legitimately an astronaut's spacesuit. Not only that, but the way that they're walking seems as if they were taking over and over by zombies because they're absolutely silent and they're just like, 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 (laughs) and do that noise again. (laughs) It was very, very Darth Vader ish, but like not, you know, know? (laughs) that's their breathing in a spacesuit. And then their hands are just slowly getting closer to these people. And it's just like, why don't you say anything? It's a very horror movie moment that didn't need to be a horror movie moment. This movie is chock full of horror movie moments that don't need to be horror movie moments. What makes me laugh the most about these guys in suits, though, if if you look at the suit, it literally has a NASA patch on it. Mm -hmm. A NASA patch. Why are there astronauts? (laughs) Coming to get this alien. It should be scientists. It should be secret agents. Why in the fuck are they in actual spacesuits? Who thought in the costume department that was a good idea? Not like a hazmat suit. No, people no. show up in hazmat suits two seconds later. Yeah. Why do we send in weird ass astronauts? This part makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Not a single bit. Pissed me off so much watching this moment. You know what? The 80s. The 80s. I also just don't get how they happened to find that house at that exact moment that E.T. was dying. That if you knew where he was, why didn't you show up earlier? If you didn't know where he was, it would be nice to see you figure out where he was. These government officials just kind of exist. Mm -hmm. But they don't do anything. I think they're completely superfluous to the story. They don't need to exist for this story to play out. I always thought that this movie viewed them as like the villains. Like it's going to be the big government is trying to take him away and kill him and all that stuff. And actually watching the movie, they're not evil at all. No, they're just scientist people who happen to show up whenever the story calls for it. In fact, they try to save E.T. And only when he dies naturally that they're like, well, we have to study him. Well, they're definitely studying him as he's dying. Well, yeah, but it's also, you have to know how he works to be able to help him. Well, apparently not, because he works just like a human. Yeah, 100% just like a human, which is crazy. Stupid. But yeah, so they show up, they get E.T., they set up hazmat area, you know, safe zones, blah, blah, blah. E.T.'s dying. Elliot's also getting very sick. They realize that the two are connected, And then somehow Elliot just gets better and E.T. gets worse. I think E.T. lets go of his control, like his connection. Stops the connection. Yeah. Would make a lot of sense. 
And E.T. dies. You're right. He dies. And this is when they're like, well, he's already dead. So now we'll dissect him. Yeah. But they're like, hey, you know, Elliot, we can tell you had a connection. Do you want to say goodbye? Do you want to be alone with him and have your moment? Which I thought was actually really nice and really understanding of them because they didn't need to do that. No, not at all. They could have just been like, okay, whatever, kid. Out of my way. I'm taking this freaking alien and go you ahead had and dissect time him. with him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was a nice little moment for the adults in this movie. True. Absolutely true. E.T. dies. Elliot gets to have his moment with him. Power of love brings him back to life? Yeah, I literally have that as a question. Just power of love? Question mark? Did we did we need Huey Lewis's power of love to play in this moment? I know the song wasn't written yet because it wasn't written till 1985 for Back to the Future. But I feel like this would have been a great use of it. They were using this as inspiration to make that yeah, song. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just so weird. But he does. He brings E.T. back to life and... He refuses to let the scientists take him or do anything else. They're going to get him back to his ship, to his home planet. Yeah, because his brother brought up the fact that, like, they're responding or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there was a, there, the, the noise happened, whatever. So he's like, cool, we got to kidnap E.T. It's a great moment. Mm-hmm. They develop a whole little plan. The 15-year-old brother who doesn't drive gets in the, the van. They shove E.T. into it and they take off. They meet their friends at the park. They get on the bikes. We get that iconic moment of they're riding their bikes towards a bunch of cops blocking the street and the power of love lifts them into the air (laughs) and they fly to the forest area where et landed at the beginning of the movie and his friends arrive to pick him up Mm -hmm. they're like oh shit we forgot you man i'm sorry (laughs) get in yeah and we get a great emotional moment here though so first well i guess before that the mom figures out where they're going She's driving with Gertie because Gertie knows where they're going. And Keys is like, can I come? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to tell these guys. Just I'm going to come with. Yeah. Cool moment. Keys, good guy. Yeah. Love it. It's like, I know he just wants to be with his people. Yeah. I just want to see it. Yeah. I just want to be there. So they go to save him or to be there. And they see Elliot and E.T. have one of the most emotional moments, maybe in the history of film, mm-hmm. saying goodbye to each other. We don't need language here. We don't need big, drawn-out, poetic statements. It's like five words, and it will tear you up to no end. Literally just... Um. Elliot says bye. They hug. E.T. leaves. I'm in fucking tears over here. Like, what a moment. (laughs) What a moment in film this was. Yeah. I felt every single piece of this moment. I know you might not have because of just the creepiness of E.T. Yep. But holy sh... I don't get emotional. I don't have emotions. I'm a robot. It broke me a little. It got me. Yeah, like you said, it did not get me because of the creepiness of E.T. I understood what was happening. I understood that it was supposed to be emotional, but it just wasn't for me. 
So. Did his death earlier get you? No. When Elliot was like screaming, E.T., you're hurting him, and they're pulling him out of the room and all. Did that get you at all? Amazingly, no. God, E.T. really fucked you up, huh? Yeah, dude, I do not like E.T. Well, you know what? They're going to remake it, and they'll make him a lot cuter. Big, huge Pixar eyes. Beautiful. And get the f- Shut up. You know what? Did you have a more of an emotional contact connection with the aliens from like Independence Day? Are they better? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you're a weirdo. You're the only person who thinks so. Everybody else loves E.T. And they say goodbye. Super emotional. And that's it. No epilogue. Nothing. Just bye. Bye. Peace out, bro. <laughs> but you gotta say, that moment where E.T. tells him to come and Elliot tells him to stay it's like a rom-com or just a drama romance thing mm-hmm. where you know the other person's gonna say no, but you have to ask anyway. And this is a 10-year-old kid and an alien. It plays so damn well. It's almost that whole star-crossed lover's moment of like, it'll just never work fully. Yeah. How do they pull it off in a kid's movie in 1982 without making it super creepy and weird? Because I-, I think because they made et so kid like as well so it felt like just two kids being friends and being separated so good but now he's more connected with his brother and sister correct et kind of fixed the family unit kind of kind of the mom's still terrible well we don't know because the movie just ends maybe she got better maybe maybe but it's the 80s (laughs) best joke ever it's the (laughs) 80s and that's the end of the movie yeah okay It was very emotional. Like we said, we watched this with friends and their kids. And right after, one of their kids was just bawling. Because she didn't want E.T. to leave. Yeah. She she was already feeling it when E.T. died. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when he was brought back to life and had to leave, she couldn't help herself. She just started bawling. We had to put something funny on after to kind of get her mind off of it. Because this, like we said, very deep things to have in a kid's movie of death, of, like you said, abandonment, having friends be basically pulled from you. These are all very deep, deep things that kids are not necessarily ready to talk about, but might have to talk about. Yeah, agreed. Which is something that kids' movies kind of don't do today as, as well as they used to, yeah. I should say. Here is some moments in the movie that we didn't talk about, but I thought worked pretty well. I love when they go out for Halloween and E.T. and a kid dresses Yoda just stare at each other. Mm -hmm. It's just funny. It is. And then E.T. shows up in the Star Wars prequels. His race anyway shows up during one of the Senate hearings. So So they they, recognize. They recognized each other. Um, Bike flying. Fun. Who wouldn't want a bike to fly? Right. Who wouldn't want to like just randomly lift off the ground while you're pedaling a bike and go flying over things? I like that the bad guys, which aren't really bad guys, but the humans, as they're in the house, they're looking for E.T. And they just enter a room that clearly has a sign that says, do not enter. They don't know how to read. How dare they? You're breaking the laws of privacy here, man. (laughs) But it's also a nice little thing because at the beginning of the movie, it just says enter on Elliot's door. But after he gets E.T., there's now a little piece of paper that says do not above it. Cute. Definitely a kid thing. Perfect kid thing. This movie nailed what it was like to be a kid. When they're hooked up at the end, E.T.'s dying. The makeup on Elliot to make him look sick is great. 
they even crack his lips like mm-hmm. there's he's cracked dry lips which look awesome when et comes back to life elliot tells michael all about it and they're in like a little part of the the room and michael jumps up and smashes his head on the ceiling part that they're in and he's like ow funny moment got everyone laughing yeah but also super realistic because he was mm-hmm. so excited in the moment and part of me is like i wonder if that was real could have been i don't know it, they played it like it was real. Yeah. Very good. And that's it. One thing I didn't think worked but 100% yeah. was the lighting of this movie. Okay. There was a lot of scenes that were unnecessarily dark, like the scene where Elliot is trying to show E.T. everything in his room. It's unnecessarily dark in there to where you kind of can't see him. You kind of can't see E.T. as well as you probably should. And it's like, there's no reason for that. I mean, there is. It's to hide the costuming on E.T. If they made it super bright, you'd be like, that's just a dude in a costume. I guess. They didn't have, they didn't use CGI to make him look real in the moment. He really was there. And you got to hide that with lighting. But one thing that did work really well, obviously the music, uh, it got an Oscar for it. So John Williams explains a lot, but that music is definitely part of why this movie is as emotional as it is. The score it bangs, man. Mm-hmm. It's so good. You want to go into nits? Sure. All right. First nit, it's long. It it's is an a long hour movie. and 55 minutes, but it feels like two and a half hours. I don't know where you could cut stuff out, but it definitely, you can feel its length. Yeah. The pacing, I think is just all wrong. It's a very slow build. When it gets into it, it starts getting to it quick, but then it doesn't do enough of establishing the kids living with et and their growing bond and connection it kind of just pushes through things really fast and then the ending just drags Mm -hmm. it's a very poorly paced movie i never get a sense of time so at the beginning of the movie they're definitely talking about halloween halloween happens and then more stuff happens i don't have a sense of time throughout the entire movie i don't know if they have had et for three months or if they've had et for uh three days yeah would have been nice to know the glowing finger, I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't get it. Um, and the heart light. I, I understand like that's maybe the way they talk to each other, but when you're being chased by creepy ass humans, just turn your damn heart light off. I put that as a in-world design flaw for this <laughs> alien race. Oh, let me show you what my most vulnerable part is. And my last knit the flowers. So in the movie, E.T. has flowers. Gertie brings him flowers and they're dying. He brings them back to life. Then when he dies, they die. And then when he comes back to life, they come back to life. I don't understand the flowers. I don't know what the point of that was. He connected to the flowers, but in the exact opposite way that he connected to Elliot. what, What was the point? Yeah. So that's mine. I have a few from the very beginning, don't tip pizza. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Don't mess around with pizza. <laughs> he also tra- leaves it outside, even and steps though. On it. Yeah. Don't mess with pizza. Okay. Don't you don't need to put on your mitt if you're gonna toss a ball into a shed. He's a kid. Like, what was he expecting it to do? <laughs> Throw it back, I guess, but harder. Yeah. Um, bringing a bike into the forest, like just riding your bike in the forest. Don't think it's going to work as well as you think it will. And 
it drives me nuts that they take their protective gear off when E.T. dies. You don't know what killed it. It could have been some infectious disease that now you're going to be spreading to everyone. Like, you put this entire house into a bubble, but as soon as it dies, you're like, oh, yeah, we don't need any of this stuff anymore. Let's take it all off. None of it was protecting them anyway, because if you look at the suit that Keyes is wearing, he has breathing tubes coming out of his mask, which connect to absolutely nothing. They are just open. He is already breathing the air in the room. So unless they're trying to protect E.T. from them, but... I mean, they're still just breathing into tubes that go into the same atmosphere. Yeah. It's so fun. It it was one of the biggest things I noticed watching it, that he just his tubes don't connect to anything. What are you breathing, my man? Yep. Yeah. Questions? Yes. All right. I got a lot. You want to go first? Sure. All right, go for it. Uh, Where did E.T. hide in the shed? Um, in a basket. In a basket? When they go in to look, when all the kids go out there and break up their D&D party to go look. Yeah. The one kid who walks in and we kind of see the interior, there looks like there's a trash bin or something in there. And I wonder if he was in there. Okay. Because it's just all of a sudden he's not in there and then he is in there. Or maybe he left and came back. Maybe he knew they were coming, so he ran and hid and then... Would have been nice to know. Correct. Is this movie too horror? I don't think so. Just because you don't like the look of E.T. does not mean the movie is a horror movie. They have weird sound effects. They He pops up as if he was like a horror creature. Like they Just start at horror and like, then they have the adults be horror-ish. You don't like the look of E.T. You were scared. It's not a horror movie. <laughs> Ugh. And then at the end, will Elliot pretty much always feel what E.T. is feeling? Because I, I know they... He severs the connection, but it definitely feels like they get the connection back. At the end, he's like, I'll always be here and touches his head. It's like, are they always connected? Memories, man. He's going to remember him. These are the things I worry about. He's going to be connected to this alien for the rest of his life and go insane. Was that that it? Yeah. Okay. So this was a later question, but we'll just start with this one. Elliot's effed for the rest of his life, right? Oh, yeah. Like this kid is damaged beyond repair for the rest of his life. I mean, whether no one's going to believe him for anything. Whether he has a connection to the alien or not, this whole thing of making an alien friend and everything they went through, this kid is... F- yeah. He's the one who started the MIB. Perfect. All right. Here's a couple questions that I have. How did the people track the spaceship at the beginning? They just know. They're adults. They know things. Because it's just a group of people with flashlights. It's not like they pull up in big vans with gear, with... It's just some dudes with flashlights. You know, they're adults. They know things. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, how did they find E.T. at Elliot's? They're adults. They know things. Okay. They actually, I think they traced it by the candy that he had left out for him the mm. first time. And then after... As if nobody else on the planet buys Reese's Pieces? Sure. But why would they be out in the forest in like a nice little pile? Because, you know, Elliot goes out there and flings some around sure and then i think after he brings uh, the brother brings elliot back after they connect with his race they follow him from that okay i think okay why is et terrifying to you he's just so creepy looking and he makes such creepy noises i don't know just okay you just can't explain it it just is it's like he's an amalgamation of so many terrifying things looks like a penguin but with saggy human skin i mean he looks nothing like a penguin it, with, with the way he waddles with that, his feet. It, he moves maybe like a penguin he looks nothing like a penguin i don't know the, the, right. it's just bad uh how the f- is et still alive at the end power of love okay 
Uh, what was Key's whole deal? He probably had been visited by either this alien race or a different alien race when he was a child, and he's trying to relive that, have that connection again. Okay. Are you getting on the ship at the end? If you're Elliot, are you getting on the ship? It, 100%. Probably. But then again, I don't know if I could survive up there. Kind of the same situation. He couldn't survive down here. I don't know if I can survive up there. Wow. Okay. Way to be a downer. I was going to get on the ship until you said that. And I'm like, damn it. How long do I get? Is it like a week and I'm dead? I, yeah, okay. Well, these are the questions you need to ask before boarding alien spaceships. <laughs> Here's the best question that I could come up with. Okay. Did Futurama do it better? Oh, yeah. Um... No. When Fry goes to Omicron Percy I-8. Yeah. And he's the E.T. Did they do it better? No, because they make Fry dumber than he already is for that episode. And it makes no sense. Okay. At least E.T., it's like, you know, they don't speak the same language. Yeah, they definitely speak the same language in Futurama. Yeah. It seems to be a problem. Okay. Reese's Pieces mm-hmm. or M&M's. I would prefer M&M's, but... I like Reese's. The movie would have also preferred M&M's. Yeah. But when they approached the Mars company who makes M&M's, they were told, no, you cannot use our candy because your movie's going to (laughs) suck. Little did they know. So they went to their second choice of Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces then became a phenomenon of a candy, outsold M&M's for the next year, and probably Still still exists today because of this movie, because the company was struggling at the time. And they're not very good. I don't like Reese's Pieces. I love Reese's. Yeah. I don't like Reese's Pieces. I don't... The sugar coating doesn't work with it. Yeah. I don't know. There's something weird about it. But yeah, that's just insane. They literally were struggling to survive. Mars passes. M&M's is like not going to be in this movie. So they go to Reese's Pieces. They're still around today making tons of different kinds of candy basically because of this movie. Yeah. Crazy how that works. Memorabilia from this movie? Probably the bike. Really? Hmm. Just to piss you off, I want the E.T. You would. Just, I would set it in a corner and you would just freak out every time you saw it. Uh, It would be covered with something very quickly. (laughs) It would, I would basically make it into its Halloween edition. So normally I ask what comes next. Yeah. But let's be honest here. Elliot's in therapy for the rest of his life. I'm going to get real dark here for a second. Probably takes his own life at a young age. Wow. Just from everything that happened. I don't know if he can handle it. And if you think he's still connected to this alien in some way, that's way too much to handle. I think that's the more likely the problem. And then the family completely separates after everything goes down with Elliot. That's what I think happens next. I think he creates the MIB. Does the mom end up with keys? Does keys become part of the family? Single mom. He's a single guy. He knows what they just went through. Right. Could be a good father figure. That There's the sequel right there. Happy ending then. You know, he could help out Elliot if he's part of the family. Yeah. Because maybe, like you said, maybe he dealt with it when he was a kid and he's still here. There you go. All right. We're saving Elliot here. So you want to see a sequel, a remake, or a miniseries? Uh, remake. You want to see remake completely from the ground up? Yeah. Okay. Simply I because I think they can make it uh, E.T. not look as creepy. I think a miniseries would be really cool, actually. Listen, I'm a huge fan of miniseries, period. I love the idea of like an extended movie with an ending. Yeah. That's why I don't watch a lot of TV shows. They don't have endings. And I don't want to watch 13 years of something. (laughs) Miniseries are great. I think it'd be really cool. You could really delve into the relationship with the kids and the things they had to do to get E.T. to stay alive. How to work around their normal life with an alien living there. You can really 
really get into more of it. I guess. I just don't think there's enough to warrant it. All right. That's fair. Awards? Sure. All right. First up is the Psycho Shower Scene Award for your favorite scene in the movie. Mine? Throwing the ball into the shed and it coming back out. You're right. It has horror elements to it, but it works so well because he's a kid. Kind of what a kid would do. I wish he threw the ball a little harder into the shed to like maybe hurt whatever was in there, but I also think he's not the kind of kid that wants to hurt it. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I love the horror element setup. And like you said, he has a mitt. He's expecting the ball to come back harder if it comes back at all. I love that it just rolls out. Mm-hmm. It's such a great moment of E.T.'s innocence and peacefulness that he just rolls the ball back to him. But then also, Elliot has 100% appropriate reaction. Screams and runs away. Yeah. Great moment. It's actually kind of good that it's horror because all alien movies pretty much are horror. And so to have this one be not... But still have a little bit of that element. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they don't know what they're dealing with. Mine is Elliot showing E.T. to Michael. I think that was such a great moment of connection between the siblings and getting to have Michael just be there for Elliot. Okay. It is really good. The switch that actor pulls to go from picking on him to supportive big brother. Excellent. Excellent. Next up is the Life uh, Finds a Way Award. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. For your favorite line in the movie. Mine comes from when they are getting up with Michael's friends and they're trying to bring E.T. back to his people. Okay, he's a man from outer space and we're taking him to his spaceship. Well, can he just beam up? This is reality, Greg. I love the fact that it's like, that's the one thing that you're thinking is unrealistic. <laughs> you're literally showing these people an alien out of the blue and say, and you think it's ridiculous that he can't beam up. But it's such a good child reaction. Oh, yeah. Just being like, this is reality. Yeah. It, I know it cracked me up when we watched it. It cracked you up when we watched it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else giggled at it. Greg. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the way he said it. Because these are little dickheads. These are the kids that have been picking on him. He finally has the upper hand to be like, you're an idiot. Yep. But he doesn't go that far. He just puts it in a good term. Love it. Mm -hmm. Mine comes from after E.T. gets dressed up and says phone home and the brother walks in from school. (laughs) What's all this shit? E.T. Phone home. My God, he's talking. The way the brother reacts in this scene of just playfully being like, why the f*** is he dressed up? Mm-hmm. And then E.T. talks, and instead of freaking out, he's just like, my God, he talks now. All right, we're we're on to the stage. What did I miss? I went to school. <laughs> I feel like that's a, a very big sibling thing, too, is like, ah, oh, great, it's talking now. Like, you went through this twice before with your younger siblings, and it's like, oh, great, now another one. It's great. Michael might be my favorite character. He is my movie. 100% favorite character of this movie. He plays it so well. It's mm-hmm. a shame that that actor didn't go on to do a lot of bigger things, but yeah, he'll always be remembered as Michael. He's great. Next up is the Jimmy Dugan Award. Boy, that was some good peeing. This is the piss break scene. You can get up, take a piss, get a snack, whatever. Doesn't matter if you miss this moment. Being drunk at school. Ooh, ooh, I hard disagree here. It's the only scene that establishes that they're connected. You can tell me that they're connected until you're blue in the face at the end. I don't care. I hate this scene. It did not need to happen. Okay. Um, 
I'm the exact opposite end of the scale here. I don't think there is one. <laughs> I don't think there's any moment in this movie except for maybe like towards the very beginning where you can actually walk away and miss something and it won't change what happens later in the movie. I just don't think there is one. So, sorry. Cop out. Yeah. It's not a cop out. My answer is there's not one. Uh-huh. Next up is the Prestige Award. Every magic trick has a third act, the part we call the Prestige. This is for the biggest WTF moment, the moment that makes you go, what the f*** is going on? Mine? It's E.T. being dressed up by Gertie. <laughs> I know it's the scene where my favorite line comes from, but the whole idea of dressing him up and Gertie was like scared of him, didn't want to get close, but now all of a sudden she's just okay dressing him all these clothes. Where did all the clothes come from? Why does he have to be dressed up? This makes zero fucking sense. I would have rather it been a thousand different scenes to further establish the connection between Elliot and E.T. rather than dress him up like an idiot. You had to make him more lovable for the smaller kids. The kids who, like me, thought he was creepy. Listen, I can tell you right now why they did it. Toy accessories. Ooh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. My prestige award goes to how oblivious the mom is and the fact that she's literally putting groceries away and E.T.'s just walking around. <laughs> I love it's the 80s. It's the 80s. It's the 80s. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask my mom. So my mom had kids in the 80s. I'm going to ask her if that's what it was like. If she was just so, she was a single mom in the 80s. I'm going to see if she came home with grocery stuff, if we were running around and she didn't know what was happening. Got to find out. <laughs> I want to know. All right. Han shot first award. Yeah, Oscar. Yes, I bet you have. For what held up the worst since this movie came out. How creepy Elliot is. Not Elliot. Elliot is so creepy in this movie. <laughs> how creepy E.T. is. Ten-year-olds are just creepy in general. They are. But how creepy E.T. is. He's just so creepy and you're supposed to love him and I just don't. And it does not work for me. It you're going to die on this hill. I you? will. Yeah. I will. Okay. We're going to watch it again. No. Yeah. And then I'm going to make you watch Gremlins. No. Uh, my Han shot first award goes to the whole government storyline. Oh, yeah. It doesn't need to exist. The story about the kids finding aliens and then having to get the alien back to his people and all that. E.T. can get sick and be dying and the government doesn't have to show up. It's not like they save him anyway. Mm -hmm. Who cares about them? Fuck off. Yeah. Paul Rudd Award. I'm Paul Rudd and I adapt. For the moment that held up the best since this movie came out, it's Elliot and E.T.'s relationship. It's their whole connection, the way they speak to each other. It felt real. Henry Thomas is a great child actor, which is insane because I don't like children actors. I don't think they're very good. He's great in this. He makes me 100% believe there's an alien in that room with him and he is best friends with it. Mine is kind of in the same vein. It is simply Henry Thomas as Elliot. His performance is just magical. He is what drives this movie forward and probably what made it be the phenomena that it is. Yeah, apparently... When he came to the audition, he cried so easily and was so emotional during his audition that it made Spielberg cry. And that's when Spielberg knew he was the one it was, because it was so raw. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was. what this movie needed to actually work because you put someone else in this role and I don't think this movie makes any money. Correct. Um, I'm going to further your award just ever so slightly. I 100% agree. Henry Thomas 
makes this movie work. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget Robert McNaughton as Michael and Drew Barrymore as Gertie. Yeah. Because they are all great and they make me believe they're a family. And even Drew Barrymore's just over-the-top performance as a little girl felt so real. It did feel so real. Also, I think I'm pretty sure they shot this movie chronologically because Spielberg wanted the kids to connect to E.T. so he couldn't be jumping around. He needed that pure emotion of E.T. coming in and then slowly getting sick before dying so he can get that emotion. Bravo. This is why you're a brilliant director because all of all three of these kids crushed it. Well, I do recall hearing somewhere that the Gertie's line of I don't like his feet was actually just a line that Drew Barrymore said because she just didn't like his feet. Wouldn't be surprised at all. I agree with you, Gertie. <laughs> I'm here with you. So... Uh, last little piece of fun fact is when E.T.'s drunk, it was a kid playing E.T. at the time. Before that, it was just a, a little person in the costume. But they went and got this kid who was like 10, who was born without legs and was very good at walking on his hands. And that's what gave him that drunk feel. Hmm. Why he would stumble more than if he was walking on his feet and stuff like that. Brilliant. Just I would not have thought of that, but okay. Yeah, that's why I'm not a director. <laughs> great filmmaking. All right, go ahead. Give it to the people. Decisions. As much as I am not a fan of this movie, I think it does still hold up. There's a lot wrong with it, but there's still just that much more right with it. It's a great movie. I'm surprised it took me 37 years to watch it. Um, is it something I'm going to revisit a lot? I don't know. I don't think so. But that doesn't take anything away from it. It's a great movie, very well made. You can see that there's still some room to grow for Spielberg as a director, but it's classic. Yeah. Everybody loves it for a reason, and now I do too. So I do not. Holds yes. up. <laughs> well, you don't like E.T., so you don't like the actual alien. If the alien looked different, you would have a completely different feel for this movie. Potentially. So there we go. Both of us agree. It does hold up. Let us know over on our socials if you think this movie holds up by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Come join us again next week as we get into a lot of horror movies for the Halloween season. Until then, just remember, you're fantastic, so be good to yourself, be kind to others, and keep watching movies. Bye! Bye!